we could end 2021 walking through our Christmas series titled, A Weary World Rejoices. A Weary World Rejoices. And I don't know what 2021 looked like for you, but I know that our church as a church experienced a lot of loss, experienced a lot of illness, experienced a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, um, a lot of family issues, struggles, marriage struggles, and battles and tension there. And then also just dealing with the unknown in the political world and in the religious world and in the Allen County where it's just been a crazy year, crazy couple of years. And a lot of us are starting to recognize that, you know, this is kind of the transition that our world is heading into. This is becoming the new normal of what life looks like. And that might hurt to hear because we wanted to go back to the way things were, but as we've known for centuries and centuries as you study history, that oftentimes life continues to move forward. And that's why it's so important that you have a never-changing God in the midst of an ever-changing world. And so we wanted to wrap up 2021 walking through this series, A Weary World Rejoices. Or like I said, I'm kicking off, and then Brad will do the next two, and then I'll do our Christmas Eve services, which, like we said at the beginning, 3 o'clock, 4.30, and 6 o'clock. Uh, but it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool. Today we are talking about joy, and the title of the message is Joy is a Five-Letter Word, Okay. Joy is a five-letter word, and you're wondering, well, okay, that's why he got a ministry degree, all right? And so joy is a five-letter word. I've got uh, Jaden uh, Yarian over here telling me it's three letters. Thank you, Jaden. Uh, <laughs> great. All right, so five-letter word. So write that down because that's going to be an important piece and theme of the message. But as I was preparing for the message today and thinking about this concept, this topic of joy, which honestly a lot of us don't fully grasp, including myself, um, and was studying it this week, uh, it was a difficult week for me. It was a, it's actually a difficult season of life that I'm in, especially going into uh, year number eight of not having my father here um, and just the anniversary approaching. And so December is always a difficult month for my family. And then you add in seasonal depression, which I um, absolutely love so much. And um, then you've got, on top of seasonal depression, you've got daylight savings, which I also love so much. And so you've got all of these things happening and going on. And so this last week was just one of those weeks. Um, and it, it's just kind of like, it feels like a funk. It feels kind of like, um, you know, a, a cloud, a fog, darkness. And so usually when I have every other week to teach, I'll spend the week before praying, meditating, thinking, and getting the outline put together in my head. And then the week of, I'll get it on paper and I'll, you know, start practicing. This week was different. Where last week I had off, and then this week I show up on Wednesday and I still didn't have a message. I had no idea how to talk about joy in the midst of a weary world, an exhausted world, a discouraged world. But then also you've got a lot of people that are thriving right now, and that's cool. So how do, you, how do you deliver this message on joy and what is joy? And that question, those three words right there, hit me deep. It's actually Tuesday night. I was um, heading up to take a shower, and I kept hearing the question placed in my heart, what is joy? What is joy? And it just kept bugging me. I'm like, God, I can't I don't have anything that I want to talk about this Sunday. I don't know where you're, you know, what direction you're pulling me. But that question kept bothering me. What is joy? And so some people sing in the shower. Um, I write poems in the shower, apparently. And so I got in the shower and immediately God placed a poem on my heart. 
um, called What is Joy? And I wanted to share it with you today um, to kind of kick off this message. Um, joy is a five-letter word. And so, uh, in joy. All right, that's the poem. Moving on. And so, <laughs> can you imagine? All right. What is joy? For some, it's feelings of happiness and freedom from shame. For a pastor on staff, it's when Michigan beats Ohio State for the first time in 3,654 days. And then goes on the next week to ruin playoff chances for Notre Dame. That line was courtesy of Ryan Yarian for all the trouble he gave me yesterday on Facebook. Back to the poem. For a father, it might be the perfect family day or a college student who finishes the semester with all passing grades. For Brad, it's when he discovers Butterfinger-flavored toothpaste or laughter towards the pastor when he has a ridiculous hot take. (laughs) But what actually is joy? You see, joy is standing firm in peace while in the presence of pain. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit leading us toward the one who saves. Joy is not a feeling, but a lifestyle that Christ followers proclaim. Joy chooses humility when pride stands in the way. You see, joy's name is Jesus, whose return this weary world awaits. That is joy. So like I said, I wrote that poem, and I was processing, and I was thinking. I'm like, hey, I want to add some some jokes, some humor, some, you know, fun to it, but then also recognize that joy is one of those things that it's not necessarily something you feel, but it's not something you don't feel. It's a weird um, fruit of the Spirit because joy is not necessarily happiness. And oftentimes as Christ followers or as humans, we associate happiness and joy together, and we combine them. But as we're talking about today, and we're talking about the birth of Jesus, and what that means for this world, this weary world that is hurting, I want to have a clear distinction between joy and happiness. You see, joy is peace that stays when the circumstance endures. Peace that stays when the circumstance endures. If you're taking notes, write that down. Joy is peace that stays when the circumstance endures. The difference between happiness and joy is happiness is driven by circumstances while joy is driven by faith in Jesus. Happiness is driven by your circumstances while joy is driven by faith in Jesus. And so for the rest of the message, we're going to be talking about what that looks like. We're going to be talking about um, how you experience joy in the midst of your suffering, how you experience uh, peace in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the pain, and what does that mean as a Christ follower, and why the birth of Jesus was so revolutionary for this weary world to establish joy here on earth as a fruit of the Spirit through the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be walking through four different passages today. We're going to start with 1 Peter, then we're going to go to Psalms, and then we're going to, in the middle, share four things that rob us of our joy. Then we're going to end with Philippians chapter 4, a very common passage that I'm going to put a spin on and help us read it into context, and then end with Hebrews chapter 12 today as we close, and then give you a little bit 
of a challenge going into the Christmas season that I know can be so hectic and chaotic. And today's purpose is for us to recenter our focus on the joy that Jesus brings. That's a hope for today, the joy that Jesus brings. And so if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. All right, this is Peter writing to the church, and he's trying to encourage the church. This church is under persecution. The church has just launched and is under persecution from Rome, from, uh, even from Jews, because they had this huge divide between the Jews and the Gentiles, but then also uh, Jews by uh, politics or by, uh, you know, tradition, but then also following Jesus. And so they're now being kicked out of the synagogues and being kicked out of their church. And so Peter's writing to them and saying, hey, persecution is going to happen, but still choose joy. And this is what Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, this is when I just get hyped. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter hits on that, that description so perfectly. He walks us through and he makes known the suffering that you're going to experience. He makes known the persecution that the church is going under right now. He makes known the battle, but then he talks about this inexpressible joy. And I resonate with that so much. Inexpressible joy in the midst of chaos for the church. Actually, the psalmist has this beautiful way of wording it this way. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. This is what the psalmist writes. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What? Those who sow with tears will reap with song of joy. To me, that just seems like an oxymoron. It seems contradictory thoughts. It seems like something like you've got this weeping and you've got joy. Because so often we associate joy with happiness. And if we're just not feeling it today, why would we pull out our Bible or, or get on our knees and pray or worship God or be prayerful or praiseful? Because why would we allow that to be our response when we're just not feeling it and we're in a funk. And here's why. I want to share two ideas with you, okay? First is that Jesus is joy for this weary world. Jesus is joy for this weary world. It's so crucial to understand. But the second part 
is just as important. And this is why so many people who don't have the Holy Spirit, again, we just did a whole series on this, or don't have a relationship with Jesus, don't experience joy in the midst of their suffering. Because apart from Jesus, there is no joy. You can experience happiness, you can be glad, you can be cheerful, but if you do not have Jesus, you do not have joy. And that's why it's so easy for us um, so often that... um, when we really aren't leaning into Jesus or if we haven't accepted and, um, you know, inherited the relationship with Jesus and the prize of Jesus, that when we go through suffering and when we go through sin and temptation and the battle, we often run the other way. We often run the other way. It's why when Jesus says that the road is narrow to heaven— even though you hear, you know, 33% of the world claims to be Christian. Because you're telling me like 2.5 billion people are like actually the hands and feet of Jesus? Probably not. And based on social media posts and, and our responses, and when you see all of the way that the church is acting to the least of these, and when the church is acting to people that we disagree with, it, or even when we go through suffering, how our natural responses pull away. And this is me. We had a this last week, where we talked about this exact concept. We walked through Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 as a campus, and we were just talking about how often, for me, when I'm discouraged and experiencing suffering, rather than, like Peter said, being prayerful and worshipful and praising God in the midst of my circumstance, I choose to pull away, because I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just not feeling it today. But Jesus is joy for this weary world. And apart from Jesus, there is no joy. This is one of those things, if you're not a Christ follower, if you're here questioning things, which I'm so glad that you're here and that you feel comfortable asking the tough questions, this is one of those benefits to having Jesus. Like earthly benefits, like right now, a reward that you can have is the fruit of the Spirit. And joy being one of the fruit of the Spirit, being a part of the fruit of the Spirit, is an immediate prize and reward that you have right now. And so if you see people, I know a good friend of mine who's just experienced an an incredible loss, extremely treacherous this past year, year and a half. But this person is one of the most prayerful and worshipful and always in her Bible and always praying for other people and giving and generous and serving and loving. And you can see the true joy in her heart. You can see the true joy in the midst of her suffering because she has the Holy Spirit, because she has the prize, the reward, the benefit of Jesus. And so if you're like wondering, like, hey, how do I get that? How do I receive that? I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have a deeper conversation. Or if you think that you're a Christ follower, but you're just like, yeah, like, I never feel joy. I never feel happiness. Let's talk about that too. Let's talk about that too. Because there are four things, and actually more things, but um, we're just having time for four today, things that will rob you of your joy as Christ followers. Things that are blinders, that get in the way, that can steal you. Even if you um, have access to the Holy Spirit and have access to the fruit of the Spirit and joy, there are still things that can deter you from choosing um, Jesus and seeking joy. 
And so I want to transition to four things that um, I'd love for you to write down or take a picture of. First one is this. Okay, first one is this. This is the biggest one, is sin. And this is a no-brainer. When you choose sin, you are not able to choose joy. You see, sin provides the temporary pleasure. This is why it is so easy for us as Christ followers to be deterred the other way and to run away from what we are experiencing. And then we get upset because sin provides pleasure in the moment. That's why it's so tempting. It's because joy, like I said, does not equal to happiness. You could experience immense suffering right now and not be able to see the fruits of that suffering for years and years and years on end. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture that says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, plans to be awesome is how I interpret it, okay? But Jeremiah 29, 10, that nobody wants to quote, says you're not going to experience that plan for 70 years. 70. I'm 25. Brad is only two years away from that, and he's still not there. 70 years before you experience the fruit of their enslavement and of their suffering and of their persecution. That's joy, is when you're in the midst of that and you've got the hope that Jesus is still king, Jesus is still Lord, Jesus is still the hope for the world, okay? That's our mindset, though, when we choose sin because sin tells us, ooh, but you can have joy today. That pornography, you could, you could experience that right now. You could, you could have that nice thing. You could go outside of your marriage. You could have an affair. You could do all of that stuff. You can do that because, you know, you, you and your spouse, you're not having a great time. So what if you just, you know, just went and found somebody else or found somebody different? Or those addictions, those temptations, yeah, they're great because that's what sin tries to rob us of our joy. It's one way because it deters us, it leads us, elsewhere to temporary pleasure. Number two, um, and I put this as a separate category even though it's still a sin because I wanted to talk about it in deeper depth, and that's pride. Pride will rob you of your joy. Thinking you're the best is not always pride, okay? That is, well, thinking you're, be- you're the best in an unhealthy way is always pride, but that's often the only way that we categorize pride Another way of thinking of pride is thinking that you don't need to change or there's nothing wrong with the way you're acting or living. I got it. Now I got it figured out. There's nothing I'm doing here. And not asking the question, okay, is there more going on here? You see, pride robs us of our joy because it doesn't ask the question, is Jesus better than the way I'm living? We convince ourselves that we're good. We got it. It's why so often as Christ followers, it's difficult for us to take that next step from Christian to disciple because it's easy to be a Christian, especially in our uh, first world country. It's very easy to declare Christian in a free country, okay? It is so difficult to actually live like that and be a disciple, to actually be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to actually give sacrificially, to actually serve when you're just not feeling it today to spend time with God when we're in the midst of the funk, and most importantly, I would argue, to worship and praise Jesus when we're experiencing suffering, for that to be our natural response. That's tough, and that's when pride stands in the way. Number three, 
Okay, this is one I struggle the most with, negative thinking. Negative thinking. Okay, I'm a pessimist. I'd rather expect the worst and rejoice when it's just a little bit better than the worst than be an optimistic who is always expecting the best and then just be let down. Like, that's just, that's part of why I have anxiety is because I'm always anticipating the worst situation, the worst possible outcome, and negative thinking or thinking that it can't get better than this. Or when I see somebody that's frustrating me, assuming and thinking the worst about them. And that's actually uh, why I wanted to talk about joy today. Actually, Brad asked me to talk about joy today because I had shared with the staff uh, a couple months ago that I wanted to end 2021 not being a negative thinker. I still got 26 days to figure out what that looks like because I haven't done it yet. But negative thinking will convince you that Jesus is in control of, isn't in control of the situation. And that will rob you of your joy. Last one, number four. This is, we did an entire message on this a couple weeks ago. When you're not using your spiritual gifts, you won't experience joy. And we did an entire message. If you're, if you're hearing spiritual gifts, you're like, okay, what are those? How do you have those? How do you inherit those? Um, we talked, I, I actually preached on this two weeks ago, walking through spiritual gifts, how you receive spiritual gifts. And this is part of why so many people are unhappy in their jobs, unhappy in their relationships, unhappy in their walks, and just asking the question, what's my purpose in life? If you find out your spiritual gifts, and then you start using your spiritual gifts, that's why God created you to expand the church in that way. And it will provide you with unimaginable, unimaginable joy when you're up there using your gifts. Like I shared in that message, teaching is my spiritual gift. I feel closest to God and closest and in tune with the Spirit when I'm up here on stage or just teaching somebody, talking through somebody with Scripture and walking through what that looks like. It was a rough week, a rough week for me, and I feel like I'm on cloud nine right now. I could hop off the stage, and Craig Wiley would catch me, and he'd be like, I got you, and it'd be like a Titanic moment, and I'd be like this, and be like, that wasn't even then, you know, you just got a bonus Jordan. That was the Holy Spirit right there, okay? And so that is what I'm talking about when you got, when you got those four things, those four areas that rob you of your joy. If you go the other way, if you don't choose sin, and you choose Jesus, you experience joy. When you don't choose pride, and you choose humility, you experience joy. When you don't choose negative thinking, and it's not like, oh, everything's like dandelions and bunnies and all that stuff. That's not the opposite of negative thinking. It's just turning that situation into a situation of peace. I would say peace is the opposite of negative thoughts. We're saying even if the situation doesn't get better, I'm going to lean into peace. And then for using your spiritual gifts. Here's what I want to close today. We've got, got about seven to ten minutes left. I want to walk through two more passages and then give you the invitation, okay? Give you the invitation. If you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, I want to walk through a passage. This blew my mind this week. Blew my mind. I'm reading through the New International Version, okay? And it's so cool when you've got a message or um, you're, you've prepared for something and then something spectacular happens that takes it to the, like the, HNL, the how number level, okay, as my dad used to say, all right? Uh, it, the, God took the message to the how number level with this passage. And you might hear it, it might be like, that's like a four out of 10, Jordan. 
this is going to be the best four out of ten. This will blow your mind. And, I'm, man, I'm hyping this up, and it's probably going to let a lot of you down. So remember, um, lean into peace, not negative thinking, okay? See, I chose optimism, and now it's going to be pessimism. All right, Philippians chapter 4. I want to I give some context for this passage before I share it. All right, Paul is writing this passage. Actually, he's writing the letter of Philippians to the church in Philippi while he's imprisoned, either in Rome or Ephesus, okay? He's in prison writing this. This is what's so cool about Philippians. Is theologians call it the book of joy. The book of joy. I learned that this week. Had no idea, okay? Paul is writing what's known as the book of joy, Philippians, while he's imprisoned to the church in Philippi. And this is what he says, chapter 4, verse 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is his final exhortation. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. He wants you to really understand this. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We're going to stop there for a second. I've done an entire message on anxiety before. And every time Paul says, do not be anxious, it's like, thanks, Paul. Okay? But Paul gives you the antidote for your anxiety. He says, in every situation, through prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, how you combat anxiety. He says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Jesus Christ. So verse 6 and 7, he says, by prayer and petition, if you switch your mind from fear to things you're thankful for by rejoicing to God, that is how you will be able to attack your anxiety head on. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, here we go. This is the antidote. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Goes back to that negative thinking, that pessimism, saying lean into the peace. Lean into the things that you know are true. When you're experiencing temptation, when you're experiencing depression, when you're experiencing marriage issues or relationship issues or addictions, Peter, or Paul says for us to lean into the things we know that are true from the word of God and from the things that God has declared. Lean into the things that are true. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. That's the next step. Once you think about those things and once you know about those things, place them into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Here's where this gets good. If you thought that was good, this is where it gets really good. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. Paul says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He says, I'm not in need now. Yeah, I'm in prison, probably not being fed the greatest food, probably in chains and nearing my death. But guess what? I'm not in need now, he says with this. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed, whether living in plenty or in wine. This is when it just blew my mind. I can do all of this through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all of that. I can lean into joy 
in the midst of my suffering through Christ who strengthens me. So many times I've heard that verse taken out of context. And it's often translated into, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we think, oh, we can fly, or we could like pick up a car and all that. And we, we take it so far out of context when Paul was literally talking about experiencing joy in the midst of our suffering. And he says, the answer to joy is Jesus. He says, the reason I'm content in prison, the reason I'm content being arrested and probably nearing my death is because I have Jesus. I can do all of those things and experience victory with Jesus. We have joy because we have victory in Jesus. We have joy because we have victory in Jesus. That's why when you see those people who they are just always worshiping and always praying, they're not dumbing down their situation. They're not numbing it down. They're not, um, they're not avoiding it, okay? They just recognize that Jesus is joy. And when you have Jesus, you have victory. I want to end with this passage, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to close with this, then I'm going to give you the invitation. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, that's the antidote. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The suffering that was before him, he still experienced the joy of salvation. He still leaned into that so that we could have salvation. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, we're in a weary world. And any world apart from Jesus is going to experience trial and tribulation and suffering. And any world, even if you choose Jesus, okay, you're still going to experience suffering and trials and tribulations and pain but you will be able to experience joy in the midst of that. A never-ending, a permanent peace, an eternal peace that is inexpressible, like Peter said. And so here's my invitation to you. You've heard it said before, just choose joy. Just choose joy. I'd rather invite you to choose Jesus. Because when you choose Jesus, you have joy. Jesus is the reason for the season to end with a cliche, okay? And I know you're like, okay, but convince me that he's real. If you're looking for logic, you're gonna be really disappointed. But what I can guarantee you is if you choose Jesus, whether you're a Christ follower, whether you have the Holy Spirit, if in every moment you choose Jesus, you will experience joy. And that's the Jordan guarantee. Take that with what you will, but I'm living proof of that. If you would have told me eight years ago that I'd be on the same stage that my dad was teaching, but he'd be gone and I'd be living my best life, I would have laughed. Maybe cried a little bit, but laughed. Choose Jesus and you'll have joy. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, 
Thank you so much. We're a weary world, but we're rejoicing. We're choosing Jesus. We're choosing Jesus, and we're experiencing joy. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who had an itch, who had a, a tickle on their heart of what it would look like to have a relationship with you, to walk with you, to lean into the Holy Spirit, to accept the Holy Spirit, the gift of you, and the fruit of the Spirit to have joy. Father, I pray that they would make that decision today, whether they're in person or online, that they would find us if they are in person afterwards so that we can celebrate with them and that we can walk with them in their next steps of choosing Jesus every single day. And then God, for those who already have Jesus, I pray that those four things and the other things that rob us of our joy, that each and every day we would make the decision to refuse sin, to choose humility, to lean into peace, and to use our spiritual gifts so that we can continue to experience joy in the midst of our circumstance. Father, you are so good. I'm grateful for you. In your name I pray.